Welcome to The Board, a podcast series on mechanical keyboards by the mechanical keyboard community. Proudly brought to you by Idea23. Awesome caps at great prices. And PBO, the place, the place for split keyboards. <laughs> the place for split Close keyboards. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry, Danny, but uh, well, 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 let's let's try that one again. Oh, radio silence! Come on. Oh, you want me to say it again? Yes. KBO, the place for split keyboards. <laughs> I almost did it again. Okay, right, look, third, third time's the charm. Let's this. go. KBO, the place for split keyboards. Hey. <laughs> Good evening, Kevin. Good evening. Ooh, we're off to a good start. Man, you, you can tell how professional and prepared we are with this entire podcast business, can't you? Yes, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> how has your week been? Um, it's been good. It's been busy. Um, not that much keyboard news this week, surprisingly. As in, from your end or in general? Um, from in general. I would say you're right. It it has actually been a really quiet week, uh, but you know sometimes that's not a bad thing, is it? No, it's not, because without the lows, you can't have the highs. Oh, I hate that line. I hate that line so much. Okay. Well, okay. There's some sort of saying <laughs> that fits that situation better. Okay. That's all no, I can no. think about. It's it's not that. It's it's just that that was one of the reasons that was given to me by one of my ex girlfriends many 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 years ago for uh, breaking up with me. So <laughs> just well, getting a bit personal. Not breaking up with you. Uh well, my keyboards can't break up with me, so that's that's always a good thing. At least until they have intelligence. The split keyboard it can break up with itself. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even late at night where you are. Uh, Yeah, I'm not delusional. I'm just, I'm just memeing. Well, you know, even though there hasn't been a great deal of things, there is uh, always things that we can talk about. So uh, we've compiled some things. Some some interesting things, some maybe not so interesting things, some uh, just things to talk about. So, where do we want to start this week? Um, let's start. Let's start with your review video. Um, I thought it was interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw it on the topic list, and I wasn't 100% sure what exactly you wanted to talk about. So, throw Uh, your questions in, and let's go from there. Okay. So, I I, I have more comments. I like what you say about the stabilizers, and you can definitely hear it in the video. Um, The White Fox was one of the key... I was in the first round of it on Mass Drop, and I was super hyped for it. And I was really disappointed in the end. And I even owned two different ones, and I was disappointed in both of them. Um, and part of, like, the, the biggest reason was actually the plate-mounted CoStar stab- stabilite- stabilizers. I just hate them, and they're so ugly-looking. 
and they're so loud and scratchy and they're so annoying to put on and off. There's so many reasons why I hate them. But yeah, like that really resonated with me, Don. <laughs> it like totally ruins the entire keyboard. It, it it's it was just really strange because I had this beautifully presented keyboard in this really well designed case. You know the the way that the case protected the keyboard, the the actual molding in it. You know I took it out and it felt great. It had really good heft to it. There wasn't really any flex issues on it. And then I started pressing the keys and that was fine. You know I'd never experienced the Hako clears before, so it was the first time for me to to really feel them and then i was like tapping on the stabilizer keys as you will see from the video if you'd seen it and i was like oh you know this sounds a little bit uh, but maybe it'll be okay but then when i started actually typing for real and doing the sound test and just bashing around on the keys it was really off-putting i was just sitting there i don't know if you could really tell on the video or not but it was just kind of like ah like how how is this even a pleasurable experience to have listening to that and i use clicky switches right so you know noisy things you would expect would probably be okay but even for me just how how the space bar and how the the shift key sounded was just straight out bad and you know i'm, I'm not going to hide anything about it so i said it uh, and it's funny you talk about this because other people who watched my video on Discord, for example, were like, man, you can hear it clear as day, even with YouTube's downsampling on the audio when you, you know, if you're watching it on mobile devices and stuff like that. They were like, man, that sounds so bad. So, what what is the deal with that? It's just the CoStar stabilizers and they're scraping against an aluminum plate and there's no dampening or it's not in any sort of case at all so you're just getting all the sound i think at least well my filco has co-stars in it but they're pcb mount not plate mount PCB. and they sound just fine huh. so wait so they're they're they have the little like things you stick into the stabilizer keys before you put the keycaps on yeah but but it's just directly onto the PCB. I don't know. Like, I don't know if like I've ever they had go, a keyboard with that. They go through the the actual plate. They don't. They're not. They're not seated on top of the plate. Yeah. That that's. Uh, I think that yeah. they would look less ugly if they were that also. Because because with the white fox, you know, I I didn't take the keycaps off, right? But when I tilted it up and I was looking at it from the front, you can see that high black plastic housing that the stabilizer bit sat in. Whereas with my plastic? Filco, yeah, it's black plastic. Now people told me that they were actually cherry plate mount stabilizers, so they might not be co-stars. But regardless, they still sounded really bad. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, have you tried Hako clears before? I've like I've touched them. Uh, I don't like, I can't even remember what they felt like. I can't even remember the touch of the Hakka clears. <laughs> <laughs> that unmemorable. But, but uh, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, I touched them at the NorCal meetup, but I wasn't there. They didn't like leave an impression. <laughs> but, you know, so I I don't even remember the specific wording I used, but I think I said something along along the lines of negative tactility. Because there was that, like, 
sensation as I was starting to key press that fell away into that linear behavior. And when I was typing at normal speed, I didn't even feel that tactile sensation at all. It was just straight up linear. And my use of that phrase, negative tactility, was being bandied around on Discord as well, on uh, the Australian Discord. And the guys were just like, it's really funny because the whole idea about having a tactile response is you're going to feel it. So how do you have a negative tactile response? <laughs> it's essentially saying there is no tactile response. That's not what I meant in, in how I was trying to describe it. But in the end, when you think about it, that's exactly what happened. It's a tactile response that really isn't there. So, you know, I don't know if I'm upsetting people who love the hacker clears or people who, you know, outright designed it and want to defend it and anything like that. It's personal opinion. And that's just and how my people designed feel. it. If they may, they may also have designed the white fox. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but both of your creations, both your children are mediocre. <laughs> So, you know, I'm probably shadow banned from any of their group buys, competitions, sales, anything, uh, maybe. But it, look, it's it's personal opinion and it's not that I'm telling people not to buy it because for the price and the case, it's fantastic. It's just that particular switch type is not my thing. So uh, now, of course, if you haven't actually seen that video, you can head over to our YouTube and check it out. Now, it's funny because I was saying to my wife today that I called it a quick look at, and it's like 31 minutes. But then my wife's like, yeah, but for you, 31 minutes is a quick look at something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like barely scratching the surface. I know, I know. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. I was knocking on your four-hour hand wiring. Five? It, it's like four hours, 50 minutes or something for that, yeah, hand wire. But I think I talked like two hours about the HHKB versus the Leopold FC660C. So, or was that an hour? I can't remember. Either way, oh, I do. I hate videos. your I hate your space bar in that one. The way it sounds? No, the color of it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the <neon>. yellow. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, oh, uh, it's like the the board is so like classy and calm, and then your space bar. Hey, I made that space bar. I, I I understand that that is like that's why it's okay, but it's <laughs> still a little bit confusing for me. Oh dear. Well, shall we move on? Yeah, let's do it. Well, where do you want to go? Um. Yeah, let's... the good thing about this week, right? By the way, is that. None of these topics are actually negative topics this week, which is fantastic. Um, let's talk about this idea 23 innovation. Oh, okay. Do you think it's an innovation? Yeah. Um, he used a different method than what's been done before. And I heard, I, I heard a little bit about it when he was doing his like development of this technique. And yeah, I think it's different than what's been seen. I think we may have kind of touched on it like some episodes ago. Uh, it might have even been when he was on last time, but it's certainly, I mean, he's talked about it in Slack that, that we've been involved in as well. So we've seen prototypes and things like that. But what we're talking about here is the concrete inverted commas case by Idea23. Now... What Kevin's referring to is a an alternative uh, 
method of instead of using water in his concrete cement mix, he's actually using epoxy resin. What do you think of the end result there? It looks cleaner. Um, there's only one picture to work with, but it looks like way more um, like I don't know. I don't. I don't really like who that the guy who. I think he's also the artisan, but he made that huge like concrete keyboard with the wrist rest mounted, but it was twenty pounds. Yep. That never looked comfortable to touch. It just looked really like rough and sandy, like concrete maybe. But this looks like a good mixture, you know. Like it looks like I could touch it, and I wouldn't. My hands wouldn't like lose moisture from like the dry <laughs> concrete. <laughs> So it's interesting that you are referring to that 14 pound monstrosity or whatever it was, because that keyboard and that 60% case, which cement, concrete, whatever the combination is, has a very gray tone to it. And most concretes and cement tend to be that classic gray color. Like you say to somebody, what's the color of cement? And they instantly picture this gray. What we've actually got here from idea 23 is not a gray, but it's actually closer towards like a Cookies black. Cookies and cream. Okay. <laughs> well, sure. Okay. You're talking Rocky about the, the, the grit component, right? You're talking about the gravel component in here. Now, yeah. now, now bus game is actually used essentially like a sand type of mix. So it's not really large chunks because you can't mold, of course, properly if you're going to use large pieces of gravel. So he's gone with a finer gravel type mix like a heavy sand. But I feel like the epoxy has actually added color tone to the cement mix and darkened it so it's no longer that sort of classic cement concrete gray that you may be accustomed to, but it's closer towards that browny blackish color. You can see it from the pictures. Um, and it's also because I think the nature of epoxy, unless if you're using water clear epoxy, most epoxies have a yellow hue or tinge to it you know what i'm talking about kevin um like you know araldite have you ever used araldite five minute epoxy nope nope all right well if you google araldite you'll see what i'm talking about a r a l d araldite a r a l d i t e araldite araldite mate araldite <laughs> all i got is a bunch of like tubes of the material well, if you ever see no pictures, pictures that they're like it. squeezing it out, I don't know. It's it's this yellowy tone. It's almost like a honey color. So the much whole, so that... like the first hundred responses are all just the tubes of the material. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know, I think that adding the gray has actually given it a much more interesting look to it, and. You can actually see from some of these other pictures uh, that are actually part of the thread, there's that the surface texture, he's, there's still some sanding marks on it, so he hasn't fully sort of smoothed it perfectly, but for prototypes, I think it's really good. If you spend a bit more time with it and probably some actual concrete or cement polishing mediums and like buffing tools, you would get a really great gloss. And I can imagine you could coat this with the same stuff that they use to make polished floor surfaces, like polished concrete floors with. 
like a different type of epoxy. There goes some motorbike coons. Uh, and, and that would look absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, all right. I got it, Don. I found a dessert which matches the color of this. It's like the rock candy, like the rock, like hard uh, rock. Yeah, it looks like rock candy. So, yeah. anybody wondering what it looks like? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he he actually mentioned to me that he wouldn't mind sending me one, except for the fact that the weight would make the shipping stupidly expensive. Uh, of course, and so he's thinking about coming to Australia at the end of the year for our December meetup. And if he does, he said he might be able to bring me one in his luggage. <laughs> Christmas in Australia. Why not? Why not? Why not? But uh, that would be that would be awesome to get hold of one of these uh, and not have to pay stupid amounts of shipping for s- sending a lump of concrete through the mail. <laughs> Uh, I can't wait to see more pictures of more of the prototypes as he gets further and further because I know that he's got plans to try and color the concrete as well because the the epoxy does take on color so you could stain the actual case with the epoxy which should be really really interesting yeah yeah Mm. I like it I like it more than the other concrete cases that's like my main like it's just better than the other concrete cases, so that's why I like it. <laughs> well, he's <laughs> just he's looks- just got to start making it for all the other you know form factors like a ninety six key and sixty uh, fives. You know, it's really yeah. just upscaling dimensions more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. All right, next topic. You got to pick this one because I picked the last two. <laughs> so this week. I came across a topic. Uh, it's relatively recent, to be to be honest about it, uh, where somebody was asking about: Can you use desoldered vintage switches in kale hot swap sockets? Now, this kind of perked my interest because I've recently got a bunch of the kale hot swaps, and I do plan on creating a build with them. I already have the PCB. It's already here. I just haven't actually soldered those hot swaps in because I'm waiting for some other parts for the Pro Micro and the controller section of this PCB. And I thought to myself, you know, I never really thought about that being a problem. I can understand for hold tights that if your switch pins are actually not clean enough and they still have like, you know, solder on it, it's going to cause difficulties getting into the hold tight. But with the kale hot swaps because it's a much larger socket and it's like a, a spring leaf in there compared to how the hold tights work i didn't actually think it was going to be an issue now you've done a lot more desoldering of switches than i have haven't you kevin because you've stripped lots of vintage switches out before yeah i did i'm i i did a lot of that i destroyed a lot of keyboards <laughs> So, with your experience in pulling out those switches and desoldering, do you tend to find that there's actually a lot of residue still left on switch pins? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, it's, it depends how careful you are doing the desoldering, really. If you just take your time, I think you can get it all off. It also depends on the equipment. 
I was using one of the little pumps with the springs. If you use one of those, like, uh, is it, what's the company? Ha- is it ha- Hako? Yeah, Hako. Hako, like, like fancy pumps that the Bipaha has, then yep. the you're going to be, you're going to be a slayer and then you're going to totally be able to use them. <laughs> um, I mean, you can always remove the extra material too, if they have too much. Yeah, because you could just get like solder wick or something, right? Yeah, or I even think you could probably just heat it up and use the pump again, and it probably you could probably still get like a vacuum if you just placed it like all the way to like the switch bottom. Yeah. Well, you know, so I don't think it's really that big a deal because they were concerned that it was going to damage the socket. But what I found interesting is a lot of people just straight up said, "Don't do it," like. I would caution against it or, you know, um, yeah, what, what did that, what did somebody say? I wouldn't risk it, you know, and things like that. So it was more of a, I mean, okay, there was only seven comments on this, uh, so it's a very low number of people responding to it, but that said, the proportion of people saying you probably shouldn't, it just seems so strange. Like, what is the risk here? If you damage your your hot swap socket, well, just desolder the hot swap socket and get another hot swap socket, and then clean up that pin better or unbend it, you know, straighten it up a bit. Is it is it really that big a deal? Yeah, no, it's not. Um, I don't think it's like a risk really. Like I don't think you're gonna ir- irreversibly like break anything. Hmm. Now talking about hot swaps, are you a fan of using hot swaps? No, I don't like them. <laughs> Why? Uh, I don't like the non-permanence of it. It's just... I like my keyboards to be, like... Like, assembled to last a lifetime. <laughs> um, I don't know. Something about it. Like, I could never use a hot swap keyboard. Do you, Do you feel like it is less reliable or less secure? Yes, and it's just less, like, it's, it's lacking commitment. <laughs> <laughs> but what like, about, what about like, the ability to pull out your switches to, you know, lube them or to maintain them, to service them, to clean your keyboard? Um, How do you I get, like, like, right underneath the switches to dust and clean if you can't pull your switches out so you can get onto the plate? I like that idea, but it's like a trade-off either like an incomplete board or a complete board that has those negative things, you know? <laughs> well, that's a fair enough point. That's a fair enough point. I'm, I mean, I've done drop testing on these and they're actually quite durable. So, you know, I don't feel it's that big a deal in regards to, to switches falling out. Perhaps if there's corrosion issues or oxidation on pins, you might have poor electrical contact, but it's not like our switches have a very high requirement for very precise, you know, tolerances in, in current and voltage as long as and something. Spring. Twenty percent, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin. It, it's can you feel twenty percent? Oh my god. It's so bad. <laughs> You're getting triggered again. I don't care. I don't care about us. Terry, <laughs> <sighs> well, yes. why have you forsaken us? 
Well, it's not just Cherry. Yeah, but they did it the worst. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, maybe we should move on. But uh, in, in closing, I suppose, don't be too worried about your hot swaps. Come on, like, you can get a 10-pack for, like, a buck fifty or something like that from KBD fans now. So, you know, if you kill your hot swap, then you know, just desolder it, put on a new one, and don't use that switch or take more solder off with a solder wick. Simple as that. Yeah, what Don said. Radio. So. Radio. Rock on, man. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> Um, let's do the, let's do the, the hub thing right now. The hub thing? The hub thing. All right. So the monthly Kibio giveaway, that's what we're talking about. Now for the month of April, I had asked for people to go on to the mix and match, the hub layout, keyboard layout, uh, editor available at the van keyboards to create their favorite combination of colors and uh, of course you know you would send it in and whatnot and we got 21 entries now i've actually taken all of these and i've put them into an album which i'll have the link available so people can check it out i've used first names if they've given me a name for the actual creation and it's included um but if it hasn't and it's just straight up as it is now i am going to do a random draw for these for the winner for this month's kibio prize but i thought i'd go through these and make some observations uh, but first of all, what did you think of these particular colorways that people came up with? Um, I like the one that looks like Hyperfuse. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like the two that look like Hyperfuse. I don't know if that's a surprise or not. What was the second one? There was one. Okay, so the, the first one was called uh, what? Hub Perfuse. Yeah, and then the one above it too. Uh, the one it's above not it. exactly, but it's like. Hyperfuse slash Soware slash the, the one by Chris. Skydolge. Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what I did find really interesting was the the number of independent entries that ended up with things that looked very similar to Pulse. <laughs> <laughs> So, you you look know, at that? <laughs> so it, it's kind of like, well, obviously people are interested in that color scheme. Like we've got, what, three, three sets here that uh, people have submitted completely independently that pretty much are almost exactly the same in how they've been done. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's something of interest. Um, <laughs> other than that, I think the other one that I really liked was actually uh, snowy. Sp- well, I've I've mislabeled it as spruce, but it's meant to be snowy spruce. I'm sorry, John. I'll you have think to they go did back. it on purpose? What <laughs> spruce? No, the 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 pulse sets. Well, maybe that's what they want. I mean, it's a you just pay for three sets and you'll get a you get pulse, but it's cheaper, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you think they made theirs on purpose like this though? <laughs> who who knows i'm not a mind reader and uh i'm not going to put words into into our our listeners mouths as such but uh that, that's all i can say for my observation or maybe they all just randomly came up with the same colorway that was pulse 
so I'm going to do the draw now. Um, uh, okay, I need to go to my inbox and I need to use the filter so I get all 21 entries. Entry number one is the first entry and entry number 21 is the last entry that I've received. And randomgenerator.org. Let's go. Pulse has a 15% chance of winning. Okay, so seven is one, two, Pulse. three, four, five, six, seven. So Pulse. it's actually Shane. Shane is the one who won. Now, which Shane? one is Shane's? It's a great Shane's question. is a Pulse. <laughs> Yes! <laughs> That's what we've been waiting for. <laughs> oh, Shane. Well, thank you for entering, Shane. I will be in contact with you very, very soon and uh, grab your details that I can give to Danny from Kibio and then the two of you can collaborate to get that kit sent out to you. Woo! Um, so thanks, of course, to everybody who entered. It's actually, I think, the highest number of entries we've had for any of our competitions this year so far um now well, special thanks to shane matt and the other pulse guy is the other pulse guy <laughs> matt, robert 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh now for this month for the month of may's kibio giveaway i haven't actually come up with one but i want you kevin to come up with one because i've been driving these for the last little while right now yeah, come on, put um, your thinking hat on. Tell us, tell us your favorite placebo effect that you swear by, but that is probably not real. <laughs> <laughs> like your best like home remedy thing, you know? Like I, I heard this quote. I don't know. It was I was watching some weird podcast. It might have been Joe Rogan or something, and some doctor dude said that like the most consistent and effective medicine in the history of humanity has been. The placebo effect and it's had like the most impact out of every medicine ever which is like crazy because it's like not even real but the power of your mind and your okay. like thoughts can really affect your physiology and psychology i thought it was interesting sure so give us an example of what you mean by the placebo effect so our listeners who might not be familiar with this has an idea of what kind of thing they need to give in um Oh, uh, okay. Uh, huh. Something where they're like, they tell you to like t drink this thing when you're sick, and then you're like, that's that's not real. <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's plenty of those. Like, what's what? <laughs> like, what homeopathy? 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 Yeah. Like, what's homeopathy <laughs> example? <laughs> <laughs> wow this like, is this is such a deviation um <laughs> wow i'm i'm actually lost for words um placebo you know effect you like it <laughs> <laughs> well maybe a better way of describing a placebo effect is giving a patient a, a a bottle of pills and saying take these bottle of pills and you'll be cured by the time you finish eating the pills but the pills are nothing but sugar pills and it's because purely through the power of belief that they think they're getting medication that they actually improve in their condition. They're that... never salt pills. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, I don't think some people need to take salt pills. They get salty plenty enough. 
Yeah, okay. Maybe it's a bad topic, okay? You gave me like 30 seconds to think of it. <laughs> but you know what? We've said it and it's going to stick. So for the month of May, you got plenty of time, right? You still got like three weeks to do this. Send an email to me at theboardpodcast at gmail.com with your favorite placebo effect or story. It doesn't necessarily have to be actually medicine related. Placebo effects can be technology and things like that. It's like putting your phone, like you can't use the ones that I'm using already, okay, by the way, for com- for competition entry. So this one's going to sc- strike one straight out. It's like putting your phone in a bucket of rice after you've dropped it in water. Is that real? <laughs> it doesn't do shit. All right. People go, oh, it takes, it's like, they they say like, it takes moisture out of the phone. No, it doesn't. Like, really? It doesn't. Are you sure? I mean, I've seen jokes about it. This is a great topic, okay. And, and, you know, maybe people should start putting their keyboards into buckets of rice if they've like splashed water on it. Because I have not yet seen anybody recommend that advice. There's somebody who did that in a video. I think it was like Syra. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Oh, the, the the girl from Western Australia. Yeah, who like makes those like really edgy YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that actually really works. All right. <laughs> she writes her keyboard. <laughs> In any case, so that's this month's competition, and the the winning entry for that will be able to get a kit from Kibio's available stock at the end of the month. Now, last week, uh, we drew also our keycap from Idea23 that was being sent courtesy of Chillcaps. And I said, we didn't have a new... What was that? And the United States Postal Service. And the United States Postal Service. And um, I said that we hadn't had a, a, a giveaway prepared for the next one. And... Silly me, I also forgot to think about it, so I'm going to be Mr. Bad Guy again, and I'm going to throw it to Kevin and say, you need to come up with a giveaway for the ID23 cap as well. I know what I'll do. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can come up with topics all day, Don. Hit me with the third. Uh, tell us what keyboard innovation changed the game. Like, tell us what, what what was, like, a product or a product line or a company or a keyboard design or a software that changed the game for keyboards. Sounds good. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, if you get that in to us uh, this week, then next week's episode, we'll pull out another winner, which should be good. Now, Chicken dinner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I got one tonight, actually, playing PUBG, so that would be awesome. Um, it was duos, actually. So. Wow. <laughs> I digress. Let's move on. Let's move on. Talk to me, Kevin. Talk to me about the Tex Kodachi. I think we've talked a little bit about it before, but give it to me more. Okay. So, the Tex Kodachi is a Tex keyboard, which is by a company called Tex Electronics, which is affiliated 
owned something with ThinkPad. I think they're owned by ThinkPad. And it's so their their first keyboard, which was pretty groundbreaking in my opinion, is pretty unique too, is a 60% called the Tex Yoda that has a track point. And it's the only mechanical keyboard that you can buy with a track point that functions like right off the whatever starting line. There is actually a I've actually found another keyboard that had a track point that was mechanical from Devlin, but uh, that was not like usable. It was the weirdest layout you've ever heard of. It's not like actually a usable keyboard and I got it in electronics ways, so that doesn't really count. So yeah, Texyota created, Texyota was a pretty unique 60% keyboard and they actually put out a refreshed version recently which you can buy on KBD fans and it has a lot of extra new little options to it which the original design didn't and now they've come out with a new design called the Tex Kodachi which is a seven row keyboard instead of the traditional one two three four five row sixty percent it's more like a seventy percent but it's a little bit closer in size to maybe uh, like an 1800 without the number pad because it has the function row keys and then it also has keys on the row above it. And the arrow keys actually protrude farther down than let's say a 75% which has them in line with the bottom two rows. And their description is seven rows, arrow keys, retro keycaps, new track point module. And as far as retro keycaps go, the keycaps which they have on their display model are DSA styled, low profile, spherical tops. They're all uniform and they are white letters on black keys. So that's that's a little run through with uh, what the text Kodachi is. And I think that it's unique and I'm really looking forward to it coming out because I would love to see them in action and the text design has always been interesting to me because I really like track points so I'm interested to see what they do with this one. So for those who aren't actually familiar with this layout by the way it's actually pretty much the clone of one of the keyboard layouts on the ThinkPad laptop series. That's actually where this inspiration for the additional two rows have come from. It's it's basically taking keys that you would have found on a full size and then squishing it to fit the form factor of a ThinkPad. Um, and I know people looked at it like we kind of semi-talked about this a little while ago and they were like, it looks really ugly. And it's and it's because the, the architecture there is to emulate that ThinkPad, uh, which back in the day they didn't care about the looks it was about functionality you know durable rugged think pads were were beasts were road warriors so <laughs> like the good australians in the man i had a think max universe <laughs> i had a think pad for work and i was i was a little bit sad because I didn't get the titanium shelled version they didn't buy that version for me they just bought a regular sort of r series and not the t series but it was still it was a still 
really solid laptop. You know, it went with me in a state week in, week out. You know, I threw it around in the factory, you know, on the workbenches and stuff like that. And it, it did great. So I am a fan of them, but when they went off and got sold out to Lenovo, I heard that a lot of their quality dropped once uh, it went sort of to Lenovo. So, yeah. But, you know... There's actually... I think we've talked about it, but it's actually like a a famous like example of like a company, like a supply chain management sort of like situation where a company lost their like core competency in producing laptops and then they sold it off because it was originally owned by IBM yeah. ThinkPad. That's right. Yeah. I, I don't really remember all the details, but I've like studied it in one of my classes and I thought it was really interesting at the time. But, you know, I'm looking back through Texas uh, Facebook page and March 22, they've got the samples for test picture and the actual pictures now for um, what their sort of product releases, it looks so much better. It really does. So I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm super excited about it, but uh, I am definitely happy to see that they've made inroads into you know the appearance factor because a lot of people said that it looked really horrible because of those test pictures. So yeah, getting one in hand would certainly be cool, but the extra depth for me to use at like home or workspace would be killer because I already have very short workspaces as it is. Um, yeah, probably not something that I would utilize regularly unless if I was doing a lot of travel. So that currently is not happening. So yeah. But you know what I've just kind of realized because I was clicking through their photo album, Kevin, and yes. I, I know that they've done the Tex aluminum cases for 60% and stuff like that. And I kept clicking through. These guys make ice bowl makers. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know those whiskey bowl things? That like you, you get like a block of ice and you put it in the middle of this aluminium thing and then it melts down and shapes it into a bowl of ice to put in your whiskey glass? These people make ice bowl makers. I have no idea. Go, ice go balls? To the, like yeah. ice spheres? Spheres. Go to their oh. photos. And and look like maybe like three quarters of the page down before the wingnut that they won for 2014 from Desk Authority. And you'll see these like copper brass looking things with like these poles on them. You don't know what I'm talking about, right? Do you? I, it's like it's like the circular ice cubes. Yeah, they're, they're ice balls. They're like hardened ice compressed ice for the purposes of putting into like your whiskey glass and stuff like that i mean i've made those with like a rubber like a rubber like ice thing well like, people I've never use like a machine for it it's not a machine so it's basically two blocks of aluminium that's designed to transfer heat quickly so it will actually melt your block of ice but this allows you to take non-spherical blocks of ice and and form them into a spherical block of ice because that's like the ideal <laughs> ideal form to to cool down your alcohol without melting as fast um to dilute your drink and i didn't realize these guys actually made that so that's pretty cool because i've seen these before on other things like crazy russian hacker who i watch on youtube 
from time to time, you know, actually tried one of these and it's it's really nifty. So that's cool. The things you learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good work, Tex. Keep up the ice <laughs> thing that Don's talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just like, I like talking about the tech stuff because there's so many things in this community that are just kind of like repeating themselves. Oh, I see it. I see it now. Um, and but they're, they're they've always like stepped out a little bit and done more unique stuff. <sighs> All right. Well, um, yeah, cool bananas. Where do we go from Ice here? Balls. <laughs> Ice balls. Um, ice. Uh, uh, laser <laughs> I just grabbed the next topic. Um, laser ablated low profile keycaps, Don. This guy, JMK Dev, or Jimka Dev, JMK DEV, ordered some kale blank low profile keycaps from Novel Keys and he laser ablated them and they work pretty good. What do you think? How how do they look to you? They look really good, but if they're laser bladed, that means that it's like etched in, right? Yeah, just like the e-drug ones. Which we all have problems with. <laughs> so yeah, it's like the best option, but like we all have multiple times had serious problems with making keycaps this way. So that's why I'm not as excited. But I do like that you could if you got the size every like size keycap that you want for a full keyboard you could just make your own sets with your with the legends that you want like you'd never have a problem where you're like well i don't have the right like legend for this keycap at this size you well, know you, you can make your own fonts you can make your own icons like ooh, you're right i didn't think about the font thing you could have your legend placement wherever you want it you know, left, right, centered, like sideways, upside down, front print, like... Yeah, there's it, way more potential to this than I realized. There's heaps. But what I, like, I was looking at the the thumbnail on this, right? And then when I opened up the picture, before I read any of the comments, I actually thought he'd lasered cut all the way through the keycap. Have you have you looked at that closely, that picture? Because I didn't even think that was translucent. I had literally thought he had managed to cut all the way through and the light was just shining right through that. Um, so does that mean that these keycaps are being like double shot? <laughs> yes. Well, I, I don't know if they're double, double shot proper, but they've got a translucent layer and then it might just be like dip paint or something like that over the top. Yeah, it's interesting that they are, that they, maybe the clear plastic is like easier to work with or it's cheaper. And then they just use the, use the, use the color to like get the finish looking clean. And cause like the clear can show defects really easily. And yeah. So it, it's interesting that, you know, that it does actually work. Um, I think it's taken him a couple of goes to get the right depth of it. And 
he did write it. He tried a couple of different low power settings before it got through to remove only what was necessary. Uh, the bottom looks the same as it before, and he doesn't think that he actually removed any of the translucent plastic at all. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, keep up the good work, JMK Dev. <laughs> <laughs> keep keep burning stuff with laser beams. I, I do want to see more sort of uh, people try this and just to report back on, on how it actually goes and the consistency of, of really what it looks like. Um, I suppose it's really a matter of how much effort and the cost of having a laser cutter engraver that's going to do the job uh, and then the amount of time and effort it is to actually lay it up because the beep haha was talking about you know alignment not only do you have to actually set this up with the right power settings, but you've also got to physically line up your caps, every single one of them. Or if you're just going to put in, say, like a keycap tray that all the keys are lined up and then have your your uh, etching graphics loaded. And hopefully that it's all correct, because if it's off by a millimeter, by the time you get to the end of the row, <laughs> everything's going to be skewed, like, <laughs> in a directional angle. And I think that would be... Like yeah, like some JTK slider. <laughs> One degree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no shade thrown here, is it? Um, but yeah, really nifty. I think it's great that people are thinking outside the box, but it raises the other question I have. Would you be able to do this with a desktop CNC? Um... Like remove the material? Yeah. Or laser beam? No, just mill it. Mm, it would be like way harder, I think. I think laser beams are better. They're just more precise and quicker and less like extra material that's going to be flying around the head of this mill. I just, it seems like maybe you could, but I think it'd be really hard to remove a little amount of material that you'd need to remove. So... You'd also have to get the keycap to like stay down and I could see it like getting moved around by the mill way easier than a laser beam would. That's true. That's true. Uh, I mean, I'm making reference to this because the other day and we didn't talk about it, but there was a picture from, was it NZ caps where they had that metal, the aluminum cap that had the fossil pattern on it. And I thought that was actually really nifty. And so it just got me thinking about like CNC'd artisans just straight off on the surface of blank keycaps like this and if they were translucent underneath then you would also get that uh shine through effect as well so i think that i think that um they're metal but i think that's how one of the dudes makes his like he ma he's the guy who makes all like the totoro keycaps and the like he made like the tracer butt keycap <laughs> oh <laughs> Do you um fang fang yeah i'm pretty sure that those are cnc'd i I've heard before. I don't like actually know and I've never thought about it, but I've heard people say that. Right, right. But, you know, being able to have that uh, dimensionality in a flat keycap would be pretty cool if you could use the CNC effectively for that. And I suppose it's a lot easier to get that rather than using a laser to, you know, do multiple passes of etching simply because the melting and burning part would really get rid of any fine details that a CNC potentially would be able to mill. But that's just me thinking 
out aloud more than anything else. So have you have you um seen how fast they do the laser etching for keycaps though? It's like yeah, I've seen videos of it. It's just like so... a single pass, just it's like it's done, <laughs> and then it's dead. It's all gone. Keycaps, bad quality keycaps are done. <laughs> that fast on. <laughs> well, maybe if they spent a bit more time on it, it wouldn't be a bad quality keycap. No, because it's the way they're doing it is bad. It's don't make keycaps like this. Unless your name's JMK Dev. Stay classy, JMK Dev. <laughs> it's a good way to do customs though. Or novelty ones yeah. at least. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's funny that we were talking about how not a lot of things happen, but yet we've still managed to be able to fill 50-odd minutes already of this episode. It's pretty good. Yeah, we did it. Some some randomness aside. Um, there's only really one other topic that I kind of put on the list here. The other one's yours, so I don't know if you want to talk too much about that one. But I'm just going to breeze through quickly in that I will have a link to somebody who is throwing an interest check about for replacement PCBs for the Leopold FC980Ms. So we're not talking about the top rate variant, we're talking about the um, MX switch type variant. And the reason why they built this PCB that they're prototyping is because they wanted programmability. Now they've also said that they could potentially look at alternative bottom row options that would match. So if you are interested in your 98 uh, 980M being programmable through QMK and or you want to have potential uh, customization on your bottom row then head over to that link and check out what is done the actual PCBs they look pretty good pretty simple uh, I did find it interesting that the solder mask didn't have solder mask on where the PCB stabilizers would sit and I wonder if it's just the footprint that he used that caused that because uh, when I've done PCBs, you know, the footprints where the actual stabilizer holes are do have solder mask over them. So, yeah, it doesn't technically matter. Um, unless, of course, he's done it to prevent shorting out from GMK screw-on stabilizers. Oh, baby, that could be it. That could be it. Wow. I'm I'm tapping my forehead right now with my finger going, hey, he's he's on to something. He's on to something. Um uh, good stuff, mate. Turn turn my Heine thoughts bush. around. Heine bush. I've wait, this I know this guy. Like this guy's made a lot of stuff. Oh well, awesome. So yeah, if you if you need a replacement PCB, then um let him know. I don't have a eight uh, a nine eighty, so uh I can't take advantage of that. All right, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real here. I really don't see this getting like enough interest, unless he just like gets them made for however many people want them, because the 980 is just not that popular. And from what I've seen, and I don't even see that many people like needing the programmability for it. I just <laughs> I like it, but. I have very low hopes for this. Yeah, unless but, he just like pushes it through on his own. Yeah, but even with a f uh, like a fab house like I use, they're actually still quite affordable for low number runs. Yeah, I know, but most people aren't willing to put in the effort if, unless they like he wants it for himself. But he already has it for himself because he already made like the prototypes. Yeah, well, 
I guess uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But if you are on board, just let him know, because even if it doesn't go through to an actual buy, he might be able to sell you one of the prototypes. I could definitely see that happening, or he could just get one made for you if you really <laughs> wanted one. I see him being like able to do that, probably. All right, now, do you want to talk about your thing, or shall we wrap it for today? Uh, it's. I'll just like give people a summary of it, and they can search it up. It's it's titled the post is titled plum ortholinear keyboard redux and it's a plum keyboard which is actually a like it's it's like low profile switches and it's actually an ortholinear plum keyboard that was it's like not really popular really well known but i always thought it was cool because it's actually ortholinear and it wasn't it was before a lot of like the ortholinear hype so it's cool that it was like it was there before ortho was in and this guy actually um he rebuilt it with low kale low profile jades a custom pcb and a teensy 2.0 so i really just wanted to like shout out his creativity and effort and say that i thought it was impressive that he put in all this work for the board that he really likes and he gave it new life and potential and it looks really great yeah yeah it looks clean i i i'm just like i was impressed so i thought i should mention something yeah and, and you know what it's a split layout in an ortho board which is also really cool yeah it's it's definitely a unique board and i think that like i was kind of waiting for somebody to like share the love with this keyboard for a while so i'm happy that he did it cool all right awesome well, we've made it through everything, and we've been pretty much on time. So, uh, good work. We're going to stick the landing. Stuck the landing. Okay, well, um, that wraps it for another week here on The Board Podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in. Um, don't forget about our competitions. So, let us know about your favorite placebo effect to be in the draw to win a Idea 23 keycap, as well as sending us um an email with what what changed the game what <laughs> changed the game actually it was the other way around right it was what changed the game for the idea 23 and the placebo effect is for the kibio yes yeah yeah my bad my bad i got that right in the end okay well um, don't forget, of course, we also have a very fledgling Instagram account that I'm running, um, plus our YouTube channel. We're at 1,700 subscribers, so 300 subscribers away from doing that fantastic COSCAP giveaway. So uh, make sure you hit subscribe and, of course, share the love. And you can also check out that White Fox Vera review that I did that we talked about at the start of the episode. Okay. Well, Yay. <laughs> I hope you have a really good week ahead, Kevin. Yeah. And uh, if you'd like to say goodbye. Yeah. Um, all right. You, you, uh, say the happy clacking thing. <laughs> all right. Well, until next time. All right. Now I'm supposed to interrupt you. And Rodbert wanted me to say, uh, stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> and now you can finish. Happy clacking. <laughs>